It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 792 of Locked On Raptors for uh, Thursday, September the 24th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast, as well as some more tweets lately. I'm trying to use that account a little bit more often, so go give it a follow if you have not yet at Locked On Raptors. Of course, make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network as well. We've got a ton of great stuff for you. The WNBA playoffs are going right now, and Locked On Women's Basketball is kicking ass covering the run through the playoffs, so please go check that out. And I imagine today, Thursday, Erica Ayala, the Thursday host of that show, will be doing a lot of discussion of the Brianna Taylor verdict and... Uh, sort of the fallout about that uh, within the WNBA. So go listen to that. Erica is always wonderful to listen to on the social justice element of things as well. And, you know, it, it feels weird to be doing a podcast today, to be totally honest, considering the verdict from yesterday and the protests going on in Louisville. And, you know, it, it's it's a nightmare. It's a, it's a really, really predictable and terrible results in the verdict that there are no charges in the death of Breonna Taylor for the three officers in Louisville who murdered her and that sucks and uh, all of that sort of is uh, is overshadowing everything today and uh, you know bringing you the podcast either way but just go donate to the Louisville uh, bail fund if you can uh, if you have the, if you have the means or at least share around some links with it and uh, you know just continue the work because it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, with that, let's get to today's show. Today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you're ever going to need at rockauto.com. A little bit more on them in a bit, but let's get into the meat of today's show. And on today's show, we're continuing our 2019-20 Raptors in Review series that we began yesterday, myself and Vivek diving into Matt Thomas's season that was the season that will be next season and where he might fit in role-wise. And then we capped it off with a question from a listener about Matt Thomas. And we're going to do the same format today and for a many number of days coming, uh, barring any breaking news or having to deviate from the program a little bit, we are going to continue on with this review format of each player on the Raptors roster and today we're talking Chris Boucher Chris Boucher the slim duck the poutine dream whatever it is we are talking about uh, the Canadian on the Toronto Raptors who has a bit of a murky future with the team and we'll get into that in the second segment as we look ahead to next year and what that might entail for him with the Raptors or otherwise and in the final segment we're going to take a listener question as well got a pretty good one uh, that we are going to build that final segment about but uh, for the first segment let's just kind of take a look back and by the way it's just me today no guest 
uh, and that's uh, hopefully obvious by now. But we are going to dive into the season that was for Chris Boucher in his first real season as a rotation player in the NBA. It's it's pretty cool that he was able to you know forge a, a role for himself. And I gotta say. Going back to the start of the season, I was very much not expecting Chris Boucher to do much of anything in the Raptors rotation this season. There were many times where I was pretty doubtful that we were going to see Chris Boucher ever kind of live up to the hype and the promise that he showed when he won G League MVP, won Defensive Player of the Year in the G League as well. And he looked damn good during that 2018-19 season. And he didn't play a ton for the Raptors in that season either. He had 28 games played, kind of all garbage time at that point. Um, But this year he kind of leveled up and he made his way into the rotation, had some pretty big moments and games as well throughout the season, which were super fun. Think about the game against the Mavericks, for example, where he was probably the second best player on the floor in that 30-point comeback led by Kyle Lowry. And it turned out to be a much better season, a much more sort of impactful season from Chris Boucher than I ever could have expected, as he played 62 games, averaged 13 minutes a game, 6.6 points, 4.5 boards, uh, half an assist, half a steal, and a whole block per game as well, shooting 47% from the field, 32% on two attempts a game from three as well, and, you know, giving a really nice, fun, energetic, chaotic spark off the bench, often in concert with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who we'll get to very soon on this podcast and take a look at his season. Um, When it comes to Boucher, like I said, off the top of the start of the season, I was very, very skeptical. You know, we knew Nick Nurse had his trusted seven or eight, whatever reason Patrick McCaw had for being in that. I don't know. Probably a, a stash of nudes of Nick Nurse on his computer or something, or him botching guitar chords, a video of it or something like that. I don't know. But you had the, t- the top seven plus McCaw who had Nurse's trust, and then it was kind of a mishmash of guys who we weren't really, really sure if Nick Nurse believed in them at all, at all. And he was calling out guys like Chris Boucher and Ronda Hellish-Jefferson and Stanley Johnson early on in the season saying they just weren't up to snuff. They weren't playing the system. They weren't understanding the schemes. And I think that was more so directed towards Ronde, but... I think you could lump Chris Boucher into that as well. And, you know, as the season goes on, obviously, the Raptors kind of carve out this strange, weird depth that obviously was not trusted in the postseason in the form of Rondé or Chris Boucher or even Terrence Davis. But that trio of guys kind of became this bit of chaos the Raptors could bring in off the bench. And it ended up working pretty well. And it was pretty fun. And Boucher, I think, of all of those guys sort of had the highest highs. He might have had the lowest lows as well. I mean, there are certainly games where Chris Boucher doesn't look typically, you know, very, very playable or anything like that. But I do think he was effective this season when he came in. I think that's undeniable. He has the shot blocking acumen, obviously. Averaging a block a game in 13 minutes, that's pretty damn good. That's almost three blocks per 36. That's that's outstanding stuff. Obviously, that's the defensive acumen we saw in the G League that got him Defensive Player of the Year. I think on offense, you know, it's a lot more sort of uh, (laughs) work in progress there. The three-point shot, it's not quite there. You couldn't tell Chris Boucher that, though, because he'll gladly fire away anything, which is part of what we love about Chris Boucher and is actually what we're going to talk about in the final segment with the question that came in from one of you fine, lovely listeners as we dive into that. But, you know, the, the offense, it is not perfect. It's not ideal you don't really throw him in there and ask him to be sort of a pick and roll you know finisher the way you do with Serge Ibaka he's not going to be able to knock down the 18 footer even his three-point shot while he's very happy to, to fire it up takes a bit of a while a long time to release and it's not exactly smooth and again it doesn't go in all the time it goes in 32 percent of the time this season um, and that's kind of where he's been at his entire career uh, in the NBA which is only like 90 games but still 
it's a good enough sample, I guess, to start drawing some conclusions. Maybe not quite enough, but still, it's, you know, it's not the best part of his game. And around the basket, you know, in theory, he would work well as like a lob finisher type player, but that's not really what he does because he's kind of uncoordinated in a weird way. He's both very coordinated and that he's very good at getting up for putback dunks and stuff like that and flying around the rim and, you know, honing in on those offensive rebounds, but he doesn't really seem to have a good grasp of the sort of spatial awareness you need to be a lob finisher. The Raptors never really look for him, and the Raptors aren't necessarily a big lob team anyway. I mean, you know, Marcus Gasol's not exactly dunking down uh, like he's DeAndre Jordan, and Serge is a lot more of either a sort of finesse role finisher or he'll just take that 18-footer. And, you know, you don't get a lot of opportunity, and maybe the Raptors guys don't really look to that all that often. And so when Boucher's in there, it's not really top of mind. But that's not really his strength. He's not much of a finisher. He's just kind of a garbage man on offense, which there's value in being a garbage man on offense for sure. He does a good job of just sort of crashing the offensive glass. He averaged this season 1.7 offensive boards a game, which in 13 minutes is pretty damn impressive. Per 36, he averaged north of four and a half offensive rebounds uh, for the Raptors this season, which is really bloody impressive. And I think it's kind of a nice little change-up that the Raptors can throw. Typically, they're very disciplined in getting back. They don't tend to crash the offensive glass all that hard. And Boucher comes in, and it's just like, oh, no, this guy does not care. He's going to fly in there, and he's quick enough to get back on defense when he needs to and can kind of recover because of how long he is and how quick he moves. But... You know, it's a nice little element to have, and I think that was a big part of those sort of chaos lineups that were out there, oftentimes with Rondé and Boucher playing the four and five. You know, there's a lot of misses when you're out there with a lineup like that. There's not a ton of offense, you know, coming from your forward spots, and, you know, you're never really going to maximize your offensive rating or anything like that when you have those guys on the floor. But because of their ability to kind of crash and clean things up, they were a lot more effective than they probably should have been. And that was a valuable thing to have for sure. And again, a thing to kind of keep other teams, uh, you know, guessing and kind of confused because they do play quite differently. Boucher in particular plays so differently from all the other bigs on the Raptors roster. And it's it's nice to sort of throw in there and, uh, you know, put a team on its heels for a second. And I guess... The first time it really kind of came through for Boucher when he really hit the rotation was during that game against the Lakers in early November. It was the day or the game after the Raptors had lost uh, Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka against the Pelicans. They go in for a back-to-back in L.A. against the Lakers and Clippers, and, you know, it, it was concerning to say the least to not have Serge Ibaka one of the concerns about the team was that hey the, the this doesn't feel like a very good team beyond their seven top seven guys and they're a very sort of unseasoned team there's not a ton of shooting or anything like that and if they lose one of their bigs this could be a real problem and I uh during that Lakers game in like the first quarter after a couple of Boucher missteps I literally tweeted I don't think Chris Boucher is ever going to be a rotation player and boy was I proven wrong in that very game and for the remainder of the season? He had 15 points in that game, had a nice little run there while Serge Ibaka was out. He, over the course of the next 10 games or so, had games of 15, 13, 11, 14, 13, and 13. And, you know, it's very up and down. He would have games of zero sandwiched in between 13-point outings. But for the most part, he did his job and was super effective and fun and a nice different sort of touch to to add in there a guy with very little touch to be honest but the it was a nice little sort of way to color the margins of the game in a, in a vibrant and exciting way and he got his job done and they won a ton of games without Abaka because in large part the end of the bench kind of found their way 
And, you know, over the course of the season, I think your sort of mileage could vary in terms of how much you wanted to believe in Chris Boucher. He had his games here and there. He had the big game against Dallas that I mentioned. He was great on Christmas Day, his career high, 24 points on Christmas Day against the Celtics, obviously in a very bad loss. But, um, you know, he had his moments throughout the year. But I think by the time the bubble came around and by the time the end of the season came around, despite him having 25 and 11 in that Bucks game in the bubble that didn't mean anything but was super fun, I think I was kind of resigned to the idea that, yeah, it's fun, it's cool little gimmick to have Boucher out there, but really, it's not getting you very far, and in the playoffs, I don't think I trust it, and a lot of it is just because I don't really know what position he's supposed to play, he kind of just plays crazy person and not really a set position, he's kind of too small to play center, he doesn't really handle the ball enough to play the four, and it's a bit of a, a tweener situation with him, and that ultimately is why I just didn't think we were going to see him in the postseason. And also, I, I mean, why would you play him when you had Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol, in theory, who looked pretty good in the bubble or looked healthy or whatever it was, and you also have Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi who you could go too small with. Like, you know, it just didn't feel like there were natural minutes for Boucher in the postseason. And ultimately, I don't think Nick Nurse was wrong in not playing him much in the playoffs. He got very little run, a couple games here and there. He played 11 minutes in Game 5 against Boston, a lot of garbage time. Um, That was really his only notable time in the series. You know, he played 9 minutes in Game 3, or Game 2 it was when they lost by 3, but... That was, I think, kind of a counter to Marcus All looking like he was dead. It wasn't exactly like uh, this guy's earned his spot to play these minutes or anything like that. It was more Gasol really needs like someone to spell him, and maybe this will work. Maybe his athleticism works against Robert Williams, who's kind of like a thicker version of what uh, Boucher does in, in some facets. Obviously, not all the all, all the way in terms of similarities, but you know, it just I, I I don't begrudge Nick Nurse for not playing Boucher. He was a tough guy to trust for sure. And, you know, as much as his game is sort of fun and erratic and that erratic nature kind of leads to entertainment in a postseason series, I don't want erratic. I don't want entertaining. I just want the team to freaking win. And I don't think that was going to happen with Boucher playing. So, no, I don't think the Raptors lost the series because there was no Chris Boucher or anything like that. Um, With that, that sort of rounds out what the season was for Chris Boucher. We're going to dive in in the next segment into what next season might look like for him and where he may slot in to the Raptors rotation if he is, in fact, back. And we will talk about that as well. There's not entirely a certainty he's going to be on the Raptors next season. So we'll dive into that in just a second. But first, I want to remind people that rockauto.com is freaking great. If you're trying to save money on car parts, the mechanic is often going to charge you 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same parts that you can find at rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts parts and tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate as well. Quickly see all the parts available for your car or truck, and you can choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. It's super easy and intuitive. A dummy like me can figure it out. So can you. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the exact same car parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your vehicle right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, box? So the note we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you're ever going to need at rockauto.com. 
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so Chris Boucher in 2020-2021. We don't know when that season is going to begin, and it's all very uncertain and weird, but let's just pretend for a second like we know next season is going to start in an orderly fashion, and they'll play a season and all that stuff. When it comes to Chris Boucher's future with the team, look, I am pretty uncertain as to how the team feels about him, to be honest. Like, I don't think Nick Nurse is terribly crazy about him. I think... He was certainly happy to use him in desperation situations this season, and because they were so hurt all season long, pretty much every game felt like a desperate situation. But I don't know how much he trusts them, and I don't know how much he should trust them, frankly. You know, as much as I think Chris Boucher certainly has established himself as a rotation player and is very fun and enjoyable to watch when he's cooking, and even when he's not sometimes, I am unsure exactly, you know, the level of investment the Raptors are going to have with him. It feels like... A lot of other guys, like Terrence Davis, for example, like it feels like they're more like, all right, that's our guy. We've we've got him out of the draft um, or undrafted. We got him from the, the beginning of his career. We're going to sort of groom this guy. I think you saw the same sort of idea with guys like Norm and Pascal and Fred Van Vliet and all those guys. Um, it's a little bit less clear to me where they stand on Boucher. And... The big question is, what do they do for his contract next season? He's a restricted free agent right now. He's got a qualifying offer they can offer him at two million bucks or just shy of two million bucks. And that cap hold is obviously the exact same at two million bucks. And I don't really know. Like, is he worth more than two million dollars? You know, maybe some other team might view him as that and maybe they'll throw an offer his way. But I'm not really sure. I think maybe the best course of action here is just like throw him the qualifying offer. See if he'll take it. And if he does great, you can sort of kick it down the road for a year and see, you know, what transpires and how he plays this season. And then in 2021, it's kind of a clean slate. And if you want to bring him back, you'll have his bird rights. You know, maybe you can make something work if it feels like he's establishing himself as a better player than what he was this past season and something that can be more relied upon in big moments. At the same time, you know, maybe there's a team out there that sees what Chris Boucher did this year, thinks he's young enough, which he's not necessarily young. Next season will be his age 28 season, so it's not like he's very early in the development curve here or anything like that. Obviously, he was a late bloomer, came to the league late, came to the pros late, came to college late. Like, obviously, it's a bit of a different arc than a lot of other players, but I just, I wonder if another team out there sees some sort of ceiling to tap in there and maybe they offer him you know the mini mid-level or something like that maybe it's a contender that's like we need some extra pop off the bench and they say all right like we have this exception let's go throw it his way maybe some team out there with money to burn thinks all right we're not getting any of the big free agents we're not really a free agent destination anyway why not take a flyer and offer chris boucher you know a two-year um, I don't know, like $6 million a year contract or something along those lines. Uh, you know, I don't think he's going to get up to like the full mid-level. That feels kind of unrealistic. He doesn't seem to me like an 8 to $10 million player, but maybe he does get that kind of interest from a team that's desperate and looking for a development project and a reclamation project. And that's not even to say that Chris Boucher is a reclamation project because, you know, he's not really like 
fizzled out or anything like that. He's just kind of been a, a fringy NBA type player, and that's cool. Um, you know, ultimately, if he'll take that qualifying offer and you can just go into next year with him at two million bucks on your books, you know, I, I think it's totally worth seeing what he can do. I think both as a backup four and as a backup five. It's weird that he's almost 28 and we don't know what the hell position he plays, but that becomes less important year by year in the NBA and positions don't necessarily matter all that much. I think there are a few things that Boucher needs to work on, though, if he's going to be an NBA player for the long haul that the Raptors in particular will want to have on their books going forward. I think the three-point shot, I think, just has to kind of be refined. Um, you know, maybe it's too late to fix a jumper or anything like that, but it's not like it's a terribly ugly one. He's hit threes before in the G League and whatnot, and in college, I don't know if it you know it's so hard to say with with shooting development if it there's something that can be fixed or if it's just kind of a an irreparable mess or how guys will take to that sort of instruction but if Boucher can become something like a 36% three-point shooter where it doesn't feel like it's going to be only feast or famine which is uh, I think a lot of the time what it was when he would play this season and get threes up you know a lot of times he'd hit a few and then other times he'd miss four and that was just kind of it I wonder if there's a way to sort of make that a more reliable skill for him. And then maybe you can work with him as sort of a pick and roll operator and not, not an operator, sorry, but like a target in the pick and roll and the pick and pop. And if he has those sort of two layers, like there are the bare bones there of a guy who can be like a Serge Ibaka light when it comes and quite literally light. He's so skinny. But like there's the bones there of a guy who can pop to shoot threes and can also dive and score on the, on, on the roll. And you know, lots of guys have that skeleton. It's really unfair and wrong to say, oh, because that guy has skill X, X, and X, that means he's going to figure it out and eventually get there. We play this what-if game all the time with tons of players that never sort of put it all together. And, you know, maybe it never comes together. But I think if he's working on anything, it should be that it is sort of... Can his shot come to a point where you're okay with him just taking shots that aren't in garbage time or when you're up by 30? And can his role game kind of get a little bit more refined? Can he work on that touch around the basket? Can he become just a guy who can throw down lobs? And he's got the the frame for it. He's got the hops for it. There's no doubt about that. Dude can dunk. He's he's. I mean, he dunked on uh, DeMar DeRozan's ass this year, if I recall. Or it might have been, no, DeMar dunked on his ass. Never mind. That's wrong. Um, but he's a guy who can throw down. And it'd be nice to see him kind of use that tool. Because, again, a lot of his skills right now are kind of resigned to being shown off when things don't necessarily matter. And when things do matter, he's in there not in garbage time. It's very much just him being a chaos you know, unleasher flying and trying to get offensive boards and, you know, getting out of position on defense, but then coming back for huge swats, which is cool and fine. And look, I mean, you could probably do worse as a backup center in terms of entertainment. He offers plenty of it for sure. I just, I still, as much as I was proven wrong and that I'm not sure he's a rotation player uh, or that I wasn't sure he was a rotation player at the start of the year. And obviously that was dispelled. I don't know how the next steps take place with Chris Boucher. He just seems like a very good idea, but I'm not sure how it all comes together in practice. And I could be totally wrong. Look, I'm wrong about a lot of things, but it's just he's a weird player with very disparate skills that have not quite congealed together to form a whole player. And now he's just sort of this weird gimmicky, like hoppier Reggie Evans type with much less girth. And 
I, I don't really know what the next steps really can be because, again, those skills are there. He has the ability to shoot a three. He has the ability to catch a lob. He just hasn't done it, and I don't know how you sort of unlock that if the skill's there and it hasn't been unlocked by the time you're 28 years old. So that's kind of where I'm at with Boucher. I'm unsure is the way I would put it, and I won't be torn apart if he's not on the team next season. It'll be nice if he is. He's super fun. It's nice having a Canadian on the team, however sort of silly it may be to care about that kind of thing but I just if a team out there gets even a little bit crazy you know even like five million a year and it's like yeah that's our guy let's go give him five and you know five million a year for three years or something like that I just I don't see it and look there's not a ton of cap space out there restricted free agents might be like a pretty cool market this year just because teams don't have the money with the cap staying flat and that could make it easy to bring back Boucher on that qualifying offer and just kick the the, the decision on him down the road a year. But I, uh, if a team gets a little bit overzealous, walk, just let him walk, I think is the way to go with Chris Boucher. As much as it is fun to watch him fly around like a maniac <laughs> in concert with other maniacs on the floor. I just it's not worth just paying too much money for especially when you're trying to keep 2021 open like if Boucher much like we talked about last week with Ibaka and Gasol if Boucher wants more than one year I, I think you just got to walk and say this is not for us if another team wants to throw him two or three years by all means enjoy Chris Boucher maybe he becomes something but maybe he doesn't because it just hasn't quite ever come together for him just yet um, maybe that's a bit of a sad and somber way to discuss Chris Boucher, a guy who offered plenty of positives this season, but that's where I will leave it off for right now. We're going to finish up with a listener question about Chris Boucher and kind of the big problem with him in that he is very, very eager to fire away and be part of the offense, even when maybe you don't want him to be. We're going to get to that and sort of the identity of Chris Boucher as an NBA player in just a second, but first I want to tell people about Built Bar, which is again the best tasting protein bar you're ever going to try. The new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. It has 18 amazing flavors, including six brand new flavors like caramel brownie, cherry barcia, and apple almond crisp, along with a few others. Joining their original complement of 12 original flavors, man, some of these ones are so good. Toffee almond, salted caramel, mint brownie, banana bread, all are super good, and they're covered in 100% chocolate. And while a lot of other protein bars are kind of gritty or sandy or chewy or tough to getting your down your gullet the built bar is super easy to chew soft and just kind of pleasant it's what you want you don't want work you don't want your protein bar to be work built bars are certainly not built bars are also great for the health conscious person you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat bars are low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber and they're great for keto diets some of the flavors for example you've got peanut butter 19 grams of protein 180 calories 5 grams of sugar and 5 grams of net carbs and the brand new cherry bar sia 17 grams of protein just just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. And right now, for a limited time, Built Bar is offering you a cool little offer. You're going to get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. And you're also going to get $10 off of your next order when you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. Once again, it's the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. 
Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we're going to wrap it up here with uh, some final thoughts on Chris Boucher, all surrounding a question from James Gleason at Gleason Avenue. You are the question I've chosen today to fill this last segment with as we dive into the back part of the 2019-20 season in review for Chris Boucher. And James asks, do you think Chris Boucher could improve on his, quote, fuck it, I'll chuck it play style? This is an interesting one. As I talked about in the last segment, he has the sort of tools to be a more useful player within the construct of an NBA team that has schemes and plans and set plays and things like that. Boucher has not yet shown a capacity to be involved in that. And honestly, this is such a weird conundrum because part of me doesn't want him to ever change the way he plays because the way he plays is extremely goddamn fun. It's super fun to watch him bomb away every time he touches the ball and Matt Devlin like knowing as soon as the ball swings to Boucher that he's shooting it and able to call it ahead of time. I think that's cool. I think that is a really enjoyable thing to sort of keep you excited during the doldrums of January in the regular season. I think I have no problem with Chris Boucher getting uh, you know overzealous and thinking more than thinking more of himself than he actually is. That's cool to me. I think you know, the the way he kind of chases offensive boards with reckless abandon, it's kind of the same idea, right? It's like, well, screw it. I'm going to go get this because I can. And, you know, part of me doesn't want him to refine those weird oddities about his game. Part of me just wants him to stay him and stay true to the maniac that he is because regardless of if it's for the Raptors or some other team, that's a fun player to watch. And not every player needs to have the sort of frame of reference where it's like okay this guy is a player who can be on the floor in a big playoff game where it matters most in the second or third round or the finals or whatever it is some guys just like to have fun in the regular season and give you fun little moments and bursts in the regular season and part of the joy of watching guys like Chris Boucher go go off is that it's unexpected that you don't really go into a game thinking ah this is the night Chris Boucher goes for 25, but sometimes this is the night that Chris Boucher goes for 25, and it's awesome. It's not sustainable. It's not something you can say, you know, tomorrow, all right, you know, Chris Boucher is going to come back and do the exact same thing, and he's going to play within himself, and he's going to take the threes that are there for him and pass it off when they're not there, and he's going to set good screens, and he's going to... Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.